This is the Battle Gorilla Lego Podcast, Episode 24, Quest for the Next Monster Fighters, Lego Themes in the Minifigure Experiment. The secret title of today's episode is Six Minifigure Types in Search of Themes. You never know what the next theme Lego is going to come up with will be. That is what I currently think. You never know. But 12 years ago, I thought I'd found a predictor for future Lego themes. Not all themes, but definitely a selection of them. I thought I had this all figured out. Was I right? Keep listening. The Disclaimer Lego is a trademark of the Lego Group of Companies, which does not sponsor, authorize, or endorse this podcast. Are you ready to listen to the world's number one Lego podcast, recorded in my apartment. Podcasting is awesome, especially when it's about the Lego fan scene. Podcasting is awesome. Hey, check out this audio stream. Welcome to the Battle Gorilla Lego Podcast. My name is Mike Sneathan. I'm your host. Let's get right into it. The year 2010 was something of a turning point for Lego. To be perfectly honest, there are a lot of years that I could say were turning points for Lego. But 2010 is where we're starting this episode off at. In 2010, Lego unveiled a new product line, a set of blind bags with a logo declaring the product to be Lego minifigures. The fan community began calling this product line Collectible Minifigures, or CMFs, and that term stuck pretty quickly and pretty permanently. I will therefore be using that term here in this episode, despite it not being official. I don't believe LEGO itself has ever used the term Collectible Minifigures in reference to this theme. Anyway, you'd buy yourself one of these bags, open it up, and you'd find one of 16 different minifigures. Which one? No idea. This was really the first time that LEGO had been able to consider minifigures as individual entities, not just pieces that were part of a set, not strictly characters that were tied to a theme. Each one of these minifigures could be a complete and fully formed idea unto themselves. Sure, in that first couple of waves, there were some safe figures that recalled classic Lego themes, but there were also the new and unique ones. And a couple of those unique ideas seemed really strange at the time. First wave, those first 16 minifigures. Ten of them, you look at and you think, all right, well, that's your normal Lego minifigure. Nothing strange there. You had the Tribal Hunter, and you had the Cowboy. Both of those figures were archetypes, which we had seen in LEGO's Western line before. So, nothing really new there. You had the Deep Sea Diver, a character type we'd seen in Town and Aquazone sets. You had the Robin Hood-looking Forestman, very evocative of the Castle era. There was a Ninja, there was a Nurse... There was a magician, there was a skater, there was a cheerleader. 
there was a spaceman. But this spaceman, unlike the traditional Lego classic spaceman, looked more like a synthesis of Lego spaceman and real-world astronaut. In that, his spacesuit was white and had more details on it than you would expect from a classic Lego spaceman. So yeah, basically fairly normal. The other six figures in that first series, however, there was a caveman, and this guy was a proper animal skin wearing, never had a haircut, never had a shave caveman. There was a circus clown, which I don't believe Lego had ever done a minifigure of before. A couple of Duplo figures back in the 80s, but not an actual minifigure. And I was thrilled that there was a circus clown, because I do like me some clowns. There was a zombie. That's the first one that made me stop and go, What? A Lego zombie minifigure. That was crazy. In 2010, that was crazy. Now, in 2024, there are a bunch of Lego zombie minifigures. A year or two after that first one, we would get some zombies in the Pirates of the Caribbean sets. There was at least one alien zombie in one of the Star Wars prequel trilogy sets. Eventually, we'd get Minecraft, which is just chock full of zombies. Not to mention the additional CMF zombies that we'd get throughout the years. There was a robot. Not counting the occasional droid from Star Wars, this may have been the first Lego robot minifigure. Before this, Lego robots were all brick-built constructions. If there was a minifigure part, it was some new robot-specific printing on a minifigure head, and that was it. This guy? Minifig legs, minifig torso, with one normal arm and one robotic arm, and your traditional minifigure head, and then a big robotic helmet over that. Kind of trend-setting. There was a minifigure they referred to as Super Wrestler, who was a masked and caped luchador. As someone who grew up watching wrestling, again, I found him to be a welcome addition to the Lego minifigure population. And even stranger than the zombie was the Demolition Dummy. Yes, that first series of collectible minifigures included your typical crash test dummy. I have to wonder, if the designers just went up to the office one night, started drinking heavily, and pitching ideas. Because some of these, for 2010, some of these are just weird. One of the most exciting things about Series 1 is that it was labeled Series 1, which indicated that there would eventually be a Series 2, and so on. Eventually... Series 25, along with close to 20 series outside of that primary numbering structure. Series 2 brought us another selection of 16 figures, one of which was the Vampire, your basic, classic Count Dracula-looking character. Series 2 also gave us a green-skinned witch, but while thematically similar to the Vampire in some regards, doesn't actually qualify for the category of figures I'm now talking about. Sorry, witch. Maybe some other time. Series 3 
included a figure called the Mummy. And in Series 4, they went all out, giving us the Monster, which was your classic Frankensteinian abomination, the Werewolf, and the Crazy Scientist. Then another thing happened at LEGO, which I'll circle back to in a moment. Series 8 gave us the Vampire Bat, and Series 9 gave us Mr. Good and Evil, who was basically a mid-transformation Jekyll and Hyde minifigure. Okay, back to the aforementioned thing that happened at LEGO. In between the release of Series 7 and 8, LEGO released a new theme called Monster Fighters. The characters that the theme took its name from were five humans with the training and experience required to fight the theme's included monsters and other such creatures of darkness. Dr. Rodney Rathbone, Major Quentin Steele, Frank Rock, Jack McHammer, and Anne Lee. But it is that group's opponents that are significant to this episode. Lord Vampire, plus Lord Vampire's Bride, The Mummy, The Werewolf, The Crazy Scientist, The Monster, and a selection of zombies. Also a variety of ghosts and skeletons, plus a swamp creature. A version of the swamp creature would eventually find its way into the collectible minifigure series for the Lego Movie 2 in between series 18 and 19 of the regular CMF series run. Now, the monsters from Monster Fighters aren't exactly identical to the monsters from the collectible minifigure series, but they're darn close. Without doing a compare and contrast, most people saw the Monster Fighters line, and their first thought was, wait a minute, is Lego just reusing these guys from the collectible minifigures? Some people were a little ticked off at the notion that Lego had wasted those CMF slots on monsters that were going to appear later on in the Monster Fighter sets when they could have been filled with other stranger, non-redundant characters. I went back and forth on whether or not I thought that as well. I could certainly argue that, but I could also see something else at work here. This might be a little bit of revisionist thinking on my part, as memories are so very malleable, but as I recall, The very first thing I actually said after seeing the Monster Fighters theme for the first time was Circus theme? That might require a little explaining. I saw the Monster Fighter sets. I recognized the monsters as being basically the same characters from their appearances in the CMF series. I then thought, hey, was Lego using the CMF as a testing ground for this theme? And then I realized how many figures they've given us that were circus performers. My brain then put two and two together and came up with circus theme. Brief aside before I move into the theoretical circus theme. I'm not doing a deep dive into the Monster Fighters theme in this episode. If you're a fan of the Monster Fighters theme, or even just curious about it, there are plans on the schedule to do a deep dive into the Monster Fighters, in May of this year, so please keep listening to the podcast. Okay, circus theme. Series 1 of the CFS gave us the circus clown and the magician. Series 2 gave us the mime, the weightlifter, who I could see as a circus strongman, and the ringmaster, 
The ringmaster came with a whip, so he could pull double duty as the lion tamer. And I'm including lion tamer here simply as a circus archetype. I'm opposed to real-life animal cruelty just like everyone else. In Series 5, we got the small clown. We got a fortune teller in Series 9. The sad clown in Series 10. A snake charmer in Series 13. A more traditional-looking circus strongman in Series 17. And the party clown in Series 18. Altogether, that's quite the cast of traditional circus characters. Another brief aside, this time about clowns. They've given us the circus clown and the party clown, but not the rodeo clown, which makes him, to my mind, kind of conspicuous by his absence. Where is our rodeo clown, Lego? They've also neglected to give us a clownette, or clown girl, clown lady, clown woman, whatever term you prefer, which makes her conspicuous by her absence especially when you consider the number of CMF figures we've gotten that were simply opposite-sex variants of figures from earlier CMF series. We've gotten male and female versions of cave people, lifeguards, skiers, skaters, and surfers, disco aficionados, pirates, merpeople, cyclopses, wind-up robots, rockers and rollers. This list just goes on and on. Back to the circus theme. A circus theme makes sense to me. It's got a certain all-ages appeal to it. A circus theme would include lots of Lego animals, which us Lego fans are always in favor of. There are a variety of circus acts you could do a set for. The big expensive set of the theme could be either the big top with removable roof or the three rings of a three-ring circus. And I really want to see what the creative Lego designers would come up with for things like trapeze artists and tightrope walkers. Sure, you could do a circus without including those. But imagine if they could pull it off well and include them in those sets. Oh. After my brain was done fantasizing about the circus theme that I was convinced that Lego had just soft announced by releasing Monster Fighters. I took another look at the CMF series, looking for character and archetype groups. Even though LEGO had done their Western theme in the past, I kept finding Western characters in the CMF series, and wondering if maybe they were testing characters for a new return to some brick-built Western-y goodness. Right from the beginning, in Series 1, we had the Tribal Hunter and the Cowboy, the very heart of kids playing cowboys and Indians. We got the Tribal Chief in Series 3, the Bandit, your classic cowboy criminal, in Series 6. The Cowgirl made her appearance in Series 8, followed by the Tomahawk Warrior in Series 10. Series 12 gives us the Prospector, and that's where I consider the balance of cowboy to native gets skewed, giving us, here in 2024, a count of four natives to five cowboy-aligned white folk. The final two new Western characters were the Sheriff in Series 13 and the Tribal Warrior in Series 15. That seems like a lot of characters for LEGO to not be doing a new Western CMF spin-off theme, if that was indeed what LEGO had done with Monster Fighters. The CMFs have also given us a lot of musical characters. 
Series 3 gave us the rapper, and Series 4 gave us the punk rocker. Series 7 gave us the bagpiper and rocker girl. There was a DJ in Series 8. Series 11 included a figure that Lego called saxophone player, but was basically just Elwood Blues inexplicably holding a sax instead of a harmonica. The rock star came in Series 12. Series 14 was more or less Halloween-themed and included the monster rocker, who was a rocking and rolling Frankensteinian abomination, and one of my favorite CMF figures to date. We got a mariachi in Series 16, a guitar-playing 80s musician in Series 20, and a cabaret singer in Series 21. LEGO did give us several blister packs featuring three recolored CMFs and a handful of parts. There was a beach accessory pack, a Halloween accessory pack, and the Rock Band pack. The Rock Band pack had recolored renditions of The Rapper, renamed Rock Band Lead Singer, The Punk Rocker, renamed Rock Band Drummer, and The Rocker Girl, renamed Rock Band Guitarist. It also came with microphones, a guitar, and enough parts to build a drum kit. I don't see one small set qualifying as a spin-off theme, though. But does it lend a little credibility to the thought that LEGO was seeing the CMFs as being more than just single-use toys? Possibly. What do I think a full music-based theme would have looked like utilizing the wide variety of musicians from the CMFs? I mean, they've got... Bagpiper, cabaret singer, and everything in between. Four words. Battle of the Bands. You could have one set be the main stage, with the competition's announcer, judges, maybe some roadies slash equipment technicians. If I was the one designing this, it would definitely have a tournament bracket on one wall. Then each participating act could be four or five musician minifigs with their instruments. It might not be the likeliest of LEGO themes, but they did give us video, which, sadly, seemed to sink like a rock. No pun intended. Okay, earlier I mentioned that I grew up watching pro wrestling. Depending on whether or not LEGO's policy against glorifying violence includes... Simulated unarmed combat as sport, I've always thought that a pro wrestling theme would be a great idea for LEGO. Not licensing the IP from WWE, New Japan, AEW, Impact, Ring of Honor, or any of the other currently active wrestling promotions, but creating their own roster of tiny plastic wrestlers. CMF Series 1 gave us the luchador-inspired super wrestler. Series 3 gave us the sumo. We got a boxer in Series 5 if you wanted to morph wrestling, boxing, and MMA into some type of unique Swiss Army knife of sports combat. Wrestling Warrior was in Series 15. Kickboxer made her debut in Series 16. And while she didn't have the look of the traditional wrestling ref, I'm still going to count Series 24's referee as being a wrestling-applicable character. And, again... Another brief aside, looking outside of the CMF series recently, we've we've been getting wrestlers in random Lego sets. There was a wrestler in one of the Lego movie sets. 
there have been a couple of, if not wrestler, at least wrestler looking characters in some of the Lego city sets. One of the motorcyclists in the Lego city stunts sub theme was very luchador looking. And there was also a very pro wrestler looking guy operating a burger truck. If my memory serves me right. Anyway, aside over. So many potential Lego sets come to mind with a pro wrestling theme. The basic ring, the steel cage, the MMA style octagon, the entrance area would make for a decent set, as would the locker room. And a wrestling theme would probably allow the largest integration of your pre-existing minifigure collection out of any possible theme ever. If you're old enough, Think back to the late 80s, early 90s, WWF, back before it changed its name to the WWE. Nearly every wrestler on their roster had a gimmick, and a majority of those gimmicks were wrestler plus random profession. Just off the top of my head, I can remember WWF slash WWE wrestlers, who were also garbage men, tax attorneys, dentists, race car drivers, Bodyguards, hog farmers, prison guards, incarcerated felons, models, drill sergeants, musicians, sheep herders, bagpipers, clowns, Canadian Mounties, hockey players, roadies, a couple of professions I can't even name since I'm trying to keep the podcast family friendly. Godfather and Val Venus, I'm looking at you. This list also goes on and on, and on, and on and on. Next. Hands down, my favorite period of Lego Castle was 2007 to 2010, commonly referred to as the Fantasy Era. It had plenty of humans and plenty of skeletons, presumably human skeletons, but it also introduced dwarves and orcs. For some reason, Lego insisted on referring to the orcs as trolls, despite the fact that they were obviously orcs. I mean, just look at them. Those are orcs. So when CMF Series 3 gave us an elf, I just thought, oh, good. They're correcting an oversight from the fantasy era and giving us the elf that was missing. But when Lego released Monster Fighters and I started looking for implied themes within the CMF series... They've also given us an evil dwarf in Series 5 and an evil knight in Series 7. People always say that they'd like a return to the fantasy era of Castle. And I can't disagree with that. But what I'd really like to see is for LEGO to release something entirely new. Not Castle, but more like Dungeon or Ruins or something like that. Not an army of knights, but a party of adventurers. Not defending a castle, but exploring one of the dangerous or lost places. Making your name and earning your fortune. And I started to see the potential for that in some of the CMF figures. Good lord, this episode is filled with brief asides. If this keeps up, I'm going to have to start using my bricks hitting the table stinger sound clip again. The LEGO Ideas 50th Anniversary Dungeons & Dragons set, which was recently revealed to be releasing in April, with a piece count of 3,745, 
and a price tag of $359.99 USD, could end up being a step into the direction I'm looking for, if it sells well enough to make LEGO consider an actual ongoing D&D theme. That is, if the game manages to survive the events of the past year. There were widespread rumors last January of a controversial attempt by D&D publisher Wizards of the Coast to retract its open gaming license of the year 2000, which allows people to use the 3rd edition Dungeons & Dragons rules and mechanics to create and publish their own tabletop RPG materials like adventures, sourcebooks, and campaign worlds without having to pay royalties to Wizards of the Coast so long as they aren't reproducing official characters, settings, stories, and art from the games. And then last month, the company's owner, Hasbro, started mass layoffs due to declining sales. Either way, I think I'd prefer a Lego-developed medieval fantasy adventuring theme over a D&D IP-branded one anyway. Now, what was I saying before this particular aside? Oh, yeah. Series 9 gave us the Heroic Knight and the Forest Maiden. Her hair covered her ears, so I couldn't tell if she was human or elf, but I suspected elf. We got a wizard in series 12, a goblin and evil wizard in series 13, the frightening knight, who I decided was a neutrally aligned anti-hero, in series 15, the rogue, along with the battle dwarf, in series 16, the elf maiden in series 17, complete with visibly pointed ears, the fright knight, basically a ghost in metal armor, not to be confused with the earlier Frightening Knight in Series 19. Series 22 gave us the Troubadour, because tradition informs us that any group with five or more players must include a bard. And in Series 24, the Orc Warrior, which didn't mean that I was going to start calling LEGO's older orcs trolls, even though the Series 24 Orc Warrior was so much cooler looking. The final theme that I've found hiding inside the CMF series is one I call Mythology and Fairy Tales. There's a whopping 16 minifigures in this category. And they didn't even start showing up until Series 6, with the Minotaur, Genie, and Leprechaun. Series 7 had the Ocean King. Series 8 had the Fairy. Series 9 had both the Cyclops and the Mermaid. The Medusa came in Series 10. Both the Fairy Tale Princess and Genie Girl were in Series 12. We got the Classic King and a Lady Cyclops in Series 13. A Fawn and Queen in Series 15. And a Female Centaur in Series 21. The most recent addition was the Forest Elf in Series 22. On a scale from Santa to Tolkien, this elf was right about in the middle, perfect for a fairy tale or folklore setting. There is so much mythology and so many fairy tales that I don't know where I'd even begin here. Between the tales compiled by Thomas Bullfinch and Jacob and Wilhelm Grimm, not to mention Mother Goose, I don't really feel like I even need to. If you're curious, maybe do a little reading and get inspired to think up some mythological and or fairy tale based set concepts of your own. 
I could talk about Disney here. In, in fact, I'm going to just for a moment. In 2016, we got our first set of Disney collectible minifigures. This included Mickey and Minnie Mouse, Donald and Daisy Duck, among other classic favorites. Then, in 2021, we got the Mickey and Friends theme, which included Mickey and Minnie Mouse, Donald and Daisy Duck, among others. I do not believe this was a case of LEGO testing out the feasibility of a theme using the CMF format. But I also feel like I cannot leave it out as an example of this pattern that I'm talking about in this episode. So, I'm mentioning it here simply for the sake of completeness. Okay, to summarize. In 2010, LEGO gives us the collectible minifigure line. Two years later, we get what I see as the first CMF spin-off theme. And 12 years after that, we still haven't really gotten a second spin-off theme. Did I completely misread what the Monster Fighters theme was as regards the CMF being its parent theme? Or was I right? But there was something about Monster Fighters that LEGO considered a developmental failure. I don't know. I'm incredibly curious, but I don't even know who I could go to with that question. I may never know. This might have been a plausible and legitimate theory, or it may just have been a very strange thought experiment that I've been running for over a decade now. Who can say? And that, ladies and gentlemen, was this episode. Currently, the working secret title of next week's episode is Why the Battle Gorilla Lego Podcast is Not About True Crime. All the stuff about the podcast that aren't actually episodes of the podcast can be found at battlegorilla.com slash links, social media, wish lists, and whatnot. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure and tell your friends. If you hated this episode, why not tell your enemies? The podcast's intro and outro themes, Podcasting is Awesome, inspired by Tegan and Sarah's Everything is Awesome, and Ode to Gibberish, were created by Michael Reinch. I think I just closed Pandora's box, and I want to know if you can punch a sucker. How else would you know that I've done everything except any of it? You can have your bald eagle afraid of fire and you can eat it too and there could be so much joy and I want my libido well. How else? I mean, wish me luck on the prayers for junk food and 